Welcome to Women Worth Knowing, the new title for the podcast hosted by Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. Women Worth Knowing is not affiliated, associated, authorized, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with the website Women You Should Know. Hi, I'm Cheryl Broderson, and I'm in studio with my friend Jasmine Allnut, and we've got a brand new podcast that we are so excited Mm -hmm. to bring to you. It's Women You Should Know, and what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to talk about women that are at times notorious, women that are (laughs) unknown but should be known because there are a lot of great Christian women who have done a lot of remarkable things, and yet— People don't know their names, and they don't know their history. Mm. And so we want to bring you some of these women. At Mm. times, we might be talking about a woman in the Bible and what she's done. Mm. Um, At other times, we'll be taking a woman from history. And we're not really going to go chronologically. We're just going to um, come to you with women um, that God puts on our heart. And today, we want to talk to you about someone very special. And Jasmine is going to tell you this story about a woman named Gladys Elward. Yes, Gladys Aylward. I I love Gladys Aylward, and I kind of that's kind of why I wanted to start with her because we're going to start with a bang because she's just she's amazing a character. <laughs> she's a character. That's what I love about her. She's so real. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, when was she born, Jazz? Nineteen o two. So 1902. we're going early okay. beginning of the twentieth century. Right. So you know she's considered old, but not really. She's somewhat modern woman. She died in 1970. So, you know. Do you know my mom actually heard her speak? Oh, wow. Yeah. That my is, mom told me oh. about that she got to hear her speak and oh, she cool. said it was riveting. Oh, I believe it. And, you know, we actually do have, there are recordings out there mm-hmm. you can find of her speaking, which is actually really neat. We don't have that for a lot of the all-time greats that we That's right. know and love. Right. So to get to mm-hmm. hear about that, I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, Gladys, yes. Like I said, she was born in 1902 in London. And, you know, what I love about Gladys Aylward is that she was just very simple. Mm -hmm. She was a very simple person. And I think that's what makes her story so accessible to all of us is because she was just a normal gal. She was a working class gal. She was a maid in London. She was a parlor maid. So she opened the doors and cleaned the living room and all of those kind of things and let people in. And, you know, she just... uh, you know, just served in a very basic capacity for most of her early life. Now, how old was she when she um, came to know Jesus as her Savior? Right. So she was early, well, no, she was about 25, 28. She was in her late 20s when she came to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And at a gospel mission, she accepted Christ. And then she just started, um, you know, growing in her walk with the Lord. She was still a maid and still serving. But she uh, one day was on a bus and she read a story about China and how there were still so many people. It was a it was a a gospel missions kind of publication that was she it was reading. Like with China Inland Mission? Uh it might have been China Inland Mission. I'm not sure. I think it was actually with Young Life. Because mm-hmm. she was involved with Young Life. It might have been one of their publications. But yeah, it was just talking all about how China had millions of people who hadn't heard the gospel, and she just became obsessed with this, but in the sense that she felt like, well, I'm not qualified, but somebody needs to go to these people. And so she began you know, just like a one-woman mission to go and find somebody to send over to China to try to get somebody excited about it. But nobody wanted to go. And so finally she realized, gosh, Lord, am I the one who's supposed to go? 
And that's what kind of launched her off. You know, it's interesting, though, because then she goes through the China Inland Mission mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she applies. Yeah. And, you know, I would have been so insulted if I was Gladys Elward. Oh. Because they yeah. told her she wasn't intelligent enough. Mm-hmm. They told her she wasn't healthy enough. Mm-hmm. And they told her that she was too old. Yes. Can you imagine? I know. It's it's pretty bad. I know. She was like, I think she was pushing 30. And so, yes. and plus the fact <laughs> they were, I think what they were looking at, it's kind of ironic, really. The start of modern missions happened with uneducated people like William Carey, who was a shoemaker. He was right, considered right. the father of modern missions. And it's funny, like over the decades, some of these missions organizations had started to forget that God can use anyone. That's right. <laughs> and they began to think that they had to qualify people instead of realizing God qualifies the called, as we often say. So good. And so the fact that, yeah, the fact that she was so old, quote unquote, <laughs> meant that she couldn't learn Chinese probably as easily as a That's younger person. That's what they thought. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. Like, you won't be able to do it. Again, your health. Your She was very small. She was known mm-hmm. as the small woman. And so she just didn't look like she could really have the fortitude <laughs> and and to serve. let's let's talk about china and mm. in those days when she was considering going um china had had a lot of unrest you know yes. you had had the boxer rebellion yes yes you had had uh, communism was coming into china making inroads into china so it wasn't the safest place mm-hmm. either and especially for a single small woman yes yeah it was very daunting and mm-hmm. yet gladys again because she was just her walk with the Lord was very simple. She was intelligent. She wasn't mm-hmm. dumb like they thought she was. <laughs> That's right. But she did have a very simple walk with the Lord. And it was very straightforward. If God is putting this on my heart and calling me, then I'm just going to do it. She didn't really think about all of the obstacles. And so just with the eye of faith, she could see past those things and realize like, well, God's going to make a way. So she couldn't go with the China Inland Mission. They didn't want her. So she figured, well, I guess I'll go by myself. She heard about this single older missionary from Scotland named Jeannie Lawson and wrote her a letter and said, hey, what do you think? Could I come and serve with you? And then before she even heard back from Jeannie, she began making preparations and and plans and saving money for her trip over there. Okay, and that's one of the things I love, too. She she was able to get a job at a house where the Mm -hmm. man had been in China Mm -hmm. and had books on the language in his library and Mm -hmm. and gave her access to those books so she could start— studying the Chinese language. Mm. Um, how she did with that, I don't know, but she tried. <laughs> yes. She tried. And then I love how she went down to the travel agency. Yes, I love that story. Go yes. ahead. Tell oh, us. yeah. Oh, the tra- that was so cute. So she goes in to, uh, I think it was Cook's, right? Isn't that the big, uh, yeah. I think it still is a major tra- Thomas Cook travel agency in London. And she went in to go and purchase a ticket to China and- um, A boat you know, ticket. A boat, yes. But the boat was too expensive. <laughs> That's right. And so the- Clerk, the agent, the ticket agent was like, well, you know, begrudgingly, he told her, well, we do have overland train travel through Siberia, but we don't recommend it. There's a lot of unrest there because just like China, you know, Russia was also going through its own thing with communism coming in and stuff. And so it was a very precarious place to go and a bad way to travel. But um, he felt obligated to tell her because he's the travel agent. And she's like, that's what I want. I'll take that train ticket. And he insisted that she not go, that it was too dangerous. But she said, nope, I'm going to go. And here's three pounds on my payment plan. She decided she was going to have a payment plan. He had no say in it. That's right. And I read that (laughs) uh, Thomas Cook had never taken installments. No, they didn't. It was the, yeah. They didn't have a payment plan. They didn't do that. (laughs) But he felt pity for her. Yep. And really didn't think it would materialize. Oh, totally. It was just like a kind of patron. Okay, yes, honey, we'll just do this for you. 
So he takes the money, but she was, you know, undaunted. Every mm-hmm. week she would come in with three pounds to place on account toward her ticket. And I think by the end, the the ticket agent was like a friend. I mean, they really <laughs> bonded over this whole thing. And I think he was probably kind of excited when she finally, when it was finally time for her to go. But what a crazy adventure getting to just Russia. Mm. So she gets on the train mm. in England. Yep. And she makes it all the way. Was it? She was in Russia when the yes when they emptied everyone off the train. Yes, they so they yeah they all you know were on their way and then they decided that you know and they're all speaking Russian. She has right. no idea what's and going is on. Is this because there was war between Turkey and Russia at the oh, time? Gosh, was that's it, a good question. Was it the Crimean War? That wouldn't have been that. It would no. have been no because it was earlier. I think it had to do with the communist regime and all of that sort of thing. All I know is they were taking over the train for the they soldiers. They took over the train. They were basically train. occupying mm-hmm. the train. That's and there right. Was, she stayed on as long as she could until mm-hmm. they finally kicked her off in this little town. And I'm forgetting the name. And I've, I always, I should have just looked that but one see, up. see, this is why we're but, just giving a sampler yeah, of how great right. your life you is. Yeah, find these We've details. Got, <laughs> we know the books that this comes, and we just want to whet your appetite, especially yes. for those who are housebound. Yes, You can order exactly. this book on Amazon, or you can even look up Gladys Elward on Google. Yeah, there's a at, lot of resources. And find information about her. Absolutely. But, she but, yeah, gets so she, put off the train. She gets kicked off the train. And, and it's she snowing. Died, remembered the village. It was snowing. She had to walk back to the nearest station through the woods. She heard wolves in the distance, but thought, oh, somebody left their dogs out for the evening. How unfortunate. Not realizing how dangerous she, you know, a situation she was in. It's just, you know, the Lord just really protected her, honestly, through so many of these things. But then and they then, oh, yeah. take her passport. Yes, and then they take her passport at the train station to see, like, who she is and what she's doing. They see the term missionary, and they don't know that word. They re- translate that as machinery, and they believe that Gladys is a machinist, like she's an engineer or something. And so they decide, oh, well— we need her kind of person here working on in our machinery. In Siberia. In Siberia. So, <laughs> without even knowing what's going on, she gets sent off, yeah, I think to Vladivostok or somewhere, you know, really, you know, off of her trail, obviously, or off of her track, I guess you could say. And so she's stuck there with this man who's touring her around the city and trying to proclaim the glories of communist Russia. And she's just like, wait, what's going on here? This young girl comes up to her. Again, she's... In a, she's been in an environment for days now where nobody speaks English. They're all just signaling to her and speaking in Russian. This young girl comes up to her and in perfect English says, you need to get away from him, get your passport, and come meet me at the boat docks tonight. Someone is going to come and knock on your hotel room door and lead you down here to the docks. And she's just kind of floored by this, like, okay, who is this person? What is going on? But again, she's very simple in her walk with the Lord. She believes, well, this might be God's provision for me, so I'm going to just do what the girl said. And, you know, honestly, all of this that we see leading up to it is preparing her for mm, what God has for yes. her in China Yes, when she gets there. So yeah. continue. I love this part. Oh, no, no. I know. It's great. So she, <laughs> so that evening, um, she's, she's still, you know, interacting with this man who's trying to talk to her and convince her to work for them. It was kind of like a, a tense situation, but she manages to get her passport back at midnight, she's sitting in her room, all, you know, dressed and, and waiting up. on the edge of her bed. And a, he, she hears a little knock at the door, opens the door. There's a man there, doesn't speak to her, doesn't do anything, just silently leads her, you know, out of the hotel, all the way down to the docks where the young girl is waiting. And she says, you need to get on this boat right now. Tell them you're a British citizen and they'll take you out of here. And so, you know, she I think she gave the girl some silk stockings because she just didn't have anything. Gladys packed like... 
two suitcases. And she had pots and pans and in those suitcases. One of them was just food and, and yeah, <laughs> and pots right. and pans. And the other one was her clothes. I mean, she had no belongings. So she gives the girl that. And then the girl just kind of disappears. It's one of those things where you just are like, that had to be just a divine, had to be an angel, this whatever is that was. a Japanese fishing boat. Yes. It doesn't even take her, yeah, to China. She has to go to Japan. <laughs> but they accept her on the boat. Off she goes. And so she, you know, takes the real slow boat, I guess you could say, train slash boat, finally makes her way to China, finally makes her way to Jeannie Lawson. But what's amazing, though, is she lands in China and she doesn't know Seoul. Mm-hmm. Her Chinese, if there's any, is so limited. Mm. And she's got to get to, I don't know how you say it. To, is it I think it's Seichau, right? Seichau? So she has to yeah. get to Seichau, yeah. which looks like to sing. Yeah. She has to get <laughs> to up sing. there to Jenny Lawson, and that's more in the interior. Yes, And in she's on the coast, and she happens to meet a boy on a bicycle. Oh, I don't know this part. Who speaks English. Well, I've only read three books on Tony <laughs> She happens to meet this boy on a bicycle who says he knows her and directs her. And this is how she gets to the end of sixth happiness. Yes. To the end. Yes. That's wow. That's awesome. I love it. So the Lord was there. It was a crazy story, but the Lord was there. You know, there is no way in the natural. No. That this could happen without the leading of God. Yes. But I love her stalwartness. Mm. Like she never turned and said, this is too much. This must not be the Lord because this is hard. Mm. And I think so many Mm -hmm. times today when things get hard or things aren't working out like we Mm. thought, we tend to say, oh, it's not the Lord's will. We conclude it's not the Lord's will. Mm. Or we say, you know, I'm not going to try and do this. But she stayed on course and Mm. she persevered. And this is crazy. All the way to China and all the way to the end of sixth Happiness. Now, yes. I read one of the books that mm-hmm. when she gets to the end of Sixth Happiness, Jeannie Lawson, who is older, she's on the roof making repairs to the not surprising <laughs> the end of Sixth <laughs> Happiness, and Gladys is shouting uh, yeah. up to her. And what did she say? Um, it took you long enough to get yeah, here. Yeah, it was like a very I don't know. Yeah. Very unceremonious introduction. They don't even like really. Yeah. Hi, it's so good to see yeah. you. No warmth, nothing. No, it's just social like social oh, distance here all the way. Yeah, a lot of social distancing. <laughs> they were really astute. Yes. <laughs> in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it was just super. You know, not really what Gladys expected. Not to mention she was exhausted from you know right. traveling. Okay. All that explain time. what the end so, of sixth happiness was. Oh, you mean the Chinese term? You explain that part. I can't. I don't have like. I don't well, the actually... end of. Uh, well, I just meant that the fact that traders. Oh, what the end was going to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So the merchants. Yes, and, and so... how they traveled in those days. This is before cars. Oh, yeah, in China. All no doing cars in China. Trains. Right. I mean, really, that would be like our semi trucks with production today. That's they right. used muleteers, and the muleteers would take their little mule train with all of the goods from village to village through the mountains. Because these were, like Cheryl said earlier, it's in the interior. It's an obscure. Re- uh, a difficult, rugged region in the mountains. And so um, Jeannie wanted to open up this inn. And, you know, she had just, I think, moved to that part of the town herself and was wanting to start a new work. And it was actually from Gladys just making an offhanded remark about like, gosh, I wish there was a way that, you know, these muleteers could hear the gospel because they would bring the gospel everywhere, you know, all Mm -hmm. over inland China. And that's what sparked the idea for Jeannie. Like, we'll turn this into an inn for muleteers specifically for them. And then when they come in, we'll give them food, we'll share the gospel. And that's exactly what they did. It was kind of a fiasco getting the Chinese to come at first because these two white women, they called them foreign devils, and they were very suspicious, especially of Jeannie because she had white hair and looked like a demon. <laughs> but they finally 
um, they finally, you know, gave in and started well, coming. Also, Jeannie would send Gladys out to get them. The, yes. To drag the mules in. <laughs> so she would grab these mules while the men were on it and start leading them in. And the men were protesting. Yeah. But they bring them in anyway. But I heard that once they smelled the food and they saw ah. the fire, because it was more like almost like a fortress, right? You come into like mm-hmm. a courtyard mm-hmm. where your animals could get water and food. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then they would do a fire. And um, Jenny Lawson would tell them Bible stories. Yep. yep. Just these Bible stories around this fire. And the Chinese culture, and this is what I love about the Word of God, mm. they love stories. Mm. And, you know, mm-hmm. God knows that love that we mm. naturally have for stories. And the Bible is one incredible story after another, yeah. you know, leading to the re- the great story of redemption. Amen. And so they would yeah. tell these stories, and the men would be mesmerized yes. by these stories. Yeah. And pretty sh- pretty soon, uh, one of them accepted the Lord. Mm-hmm. His name was Celine, like the ceiling. I guess that's how we would say it. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so he gets saved, and then, you know, the gospel begins to go forth through this, you know, ministry at the end. It's really amazing. But also, it? this is how Gladys learns Chinese. Yes. Through that. And right. th- Yang, their cook, he um, is one. He was initially one of the only Chinese that wasn't afraid of Jeannie and Gladys. So he's their cook. <laughs> And you know, did you know the story about how he tried to do story time? No. So he tried to do story time and fill in whenever Jeannie was tired or when Gladys, you know, because Gladys was still learning the language. So he would jump in and he'd tell stories about how, like, Noah took his ark to Bethlehem where Jesus was feeding the loaves and fish. So he'd, like, cruise in with the ark and then come in and join them. So he botched all the stories. He didn't make any sense. But, you know, you know, Gladys just kind of rolled with it. Like, well, what do we do? Eventually they're going to— hear the truth somehow. And they did, you know, God has a way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then Jeannie dies. I know. And then Jeannie, yeah. Because she was, she was in her seventies, wasn't she? Yeah. She was getting up there anyway. And Mm -hmm. she like fell off of a a badly repaired balcony Mm. and didn't get tended to early enough. So exactly. She just didn't get the treatment she needed that she would have probably back in the West. And so um, she ends up dying, and Gladys is left here after only, how long had it been? Maybe one or two years? It hadn't mm-hmm. been that long. Mm-hmm. She could speak enough Chinese now, but— And knew the Bible story. Yes, she knew the Bible story. She could correct Yang. Now, was this but about the time that the Mandarin— That was when, yeah, exactly. Because I think for a few weeks, she was just kind of in limbo, like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, of course, the Lord is just faithful. He shows up with a new a new ministry for Gladys. And mm-hmm. so the Mandarin, who'd be like the local mayor, I guess you could say, governor of the region— He came to Gladys and he had a proposition for her because the main government of China was instituting that all foot binding needed to be stopped. And that was an ancient Chinese practice. And that's where we we need to pause for a second and Mm. just say that in those days, uh, the wealthier the family, Mm. the more they would bind the daughter's feet Mm -hmm, so that mm -hmm. they couldn't work. And can you imagine that that was considered a... A status symbol. Right. That your feet you were walk. bound and you mm-hmm. couldn't walk, so you had to be served. Mm-hmm. And so the lesser women who weren't important, there was a less chance of these women having their feet bound because they were um, being raised for service. Right. But the elite and the wealthy. And so the government coming in says, we don't want the women's feet bound anymore. We want everyone to we're work. Becoming modern. We're That's becoming right. more progressive. That's yep. right. But the process of unbinding the feet— was very, very painful Mm. because all those years from childhood, from the time you're a baby, they had wrapped those feet so tightly so they wouldn't grow. Mm. So they had been cramped and unused and these muscles had, you know, atrophied in a lot of feet. 
And so now the Mandarin wants Gladys to go and talk the women into um, having their feet unbound. So she's going against the culture. Yeah. That's one. Two, it's going to be very painful, and it's it's yeah. not going to be popular. No. Oh, no, yeah. That's so true. This especially, is, yeah, especially in those little villages inland. Right. Very traditional. And even though she'd be paid, yeah. and even though this would get her into the Chinese homes, uh, there, this is not necessarily a safe proposition mm. for Gladys. No, it's not. <laughs> and yet, she's the only Westerner around who has unbound feed, who can model what it's going to look like. Oh, I've got to, I've got to say this, too. Mm. The Chinese marveled at how large her feet oh, yeah. were. They marveled. And she's like, what, five foot? I mean, she was she's five feet, <laughs> and, her, and her feet, let's just talk American sizes, a size four. <laughs> so she had these know, tiny, tiny feet. The Chinese are like, oh, my, what large feet you have. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love it. See, it's all just cultural, those kind of things. That's I mean, right. It's, That's yeah. right. So in some culture, my feet are considered small. That's I know there's right. a culture out there. there it must be. I know. <laughs> I've just got to find With it Amazons. someday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, she gets to go into these houses. Mm-hmm. And I read that she concocted special oils. Like mm. She prayed. She had these special oils. And she had a special way of unbinding it mm. uh, and massaging you know, so reflexology way back yeah, then. Yeah, way back then. <laughs> yes. Um, to help ease the pain mm-hmm. and suffering. Again, because this is very painful. And then why she did it, she told stories. Bible, Bible stories. stories. Yes. Yeah. And that was really cool, too, because she told the Mandarin straight up, I just want you to know, if you send me on this er- this government errand, I'm also going to preach the gospel mm-hmm. wherever I go. And he said, I don't care. Just go and bind the feet. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know— you know, what maybe didn't look like a ministry at first became a major door for the gospel. Same with the inn. You know, when that first happened and Jeannie said, let's open an inn for the muleteers, Glass was disappointed. She's like, I was a maid in England. I didn't come here to be a maid again mm-hmm. and uh, like make beds at a hotel. Mm-hmm. But then that became a ministry. And so to realize that all the tasks that God put before her were an opportunity for the gospel, it was just, I don't know, it just elevated everything she did. Mm-hmm. So I love yeah. that. That was amazing. And then... You know, here she is. She's unbinding, and they see that she is able to make peace. She's worked. And also, I think we had to bring out that the the tradesmen that we t- uh, talked about were not a noble class. Mm-mm. They were known for their thievery, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, they they weren't the top rung of society or morality. <laughs> and these are the, the first people that she was introduced to and mm-hmm. was telling the Bible stories to and mm-hmm. sharing the gospel with. Then she goes into the homes. Yeah. But then— there's that riot in the prison. Yep. Am I skipping too far ahead? No, no, no. That was This was all during those early years. It was just mm-hmm. kind of crazy how many things happened all at once. So, yes, as she's doing foot binding, well, now she's considered a government official, really, <laughs> okay. technically. Yes. And so uh, at one point in, in, in the town there, there was, a, there was a riot in the prison, and one of the prisoners somehow had gotten hold of an axe. I don't even know how that happens, but— mm-hmm. um, and they were all out in the prison yard, in an outdoor prison yard. And he was just going crazy, running around out there, like, you know, just cutting people. And I think he actually had killed a few people. It was just getting out of control. And so, you know, Gladys is a government agent. And so the Mandarin sends for her and said, I need you to go and put out that riot at the prison. She's like, this is a little out of my job description. This has nothing to do with what you asked me to do. She shows up very, like, you know— not unwillingly, but hesitantly. And the prison governor, you know, tells her what the situation. She's like, guys, what am I supposed to do? Look at me. I'm mm-hmm. five foot tall. I'm not going to go in. With big feet. With, with huge feet. I can't, yeah, I can't even fit through the door. How am I going to go and take care of this situation? 
But the prison governor, I mean, he really got her there. He said, well, haven't you been out telling everybody how great your God is and how he protects you and takes care of his children? Well, if he's that great, I mean, shouldn't he be with you if you go and do this? And boy, I mean, she was floored. What are you supposed to say to that? Mm -hmm. I mean, he really, there was nothing she could say. And so she realized like, okay, Lord, I really have to put feet, haha, to my faith right now Mm -hmm. and just, you Mm -hmm. know, basically step in and and just trust that you'll provide and you'll protect. Mm -hmm. And I love when you read her books, one of my favorites is The Small Woman by Alan um, Burgess. Oh, that's the original one. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he he talks about her honesty in Mm -hmm. her attitude mm-hmm. about her failures. So as you're reading this, she'll say, I did not have enough faith. I totally. was, did not have a good attitude. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. Because so many times we tend to sanctify, yes. you know, or sanitize, I guess I should say, Either way, you yeah. know, the people of the past, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, they were so good. And like, never live up to that. Hmm. But as remarkable as Gladys is, as you read these stories, hmm. you, you just sense this, um, this accessibility. Yeah. Humanity, yeah. Yeah, humanity. Yeah. Like, you could talk to her. Yes. Like, you're just thinking, I could talk to Glad. I would relate <laughs> to her and say, I know what that feels like. Yes, absolutely. So, so, again, she's not going into this prison like, here I am to save the day. <laughs> she's going in with trepidations. Absolutely. With concerns. Mm-hmm. And, again, she's all alone. You know, uh, Jeannie is gone. Yeah. There's not another... Yeah, that she's working with. She's there by herself, just Mm -hmm. fully immersed in this culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so she does. She just takes her life in her hands, trusts the Lord, steps into the prison and (laughs) and, uh, you know, sees the situation. She has to kind of assess things very quickly and sees blood and men, mangled men lying around. And she sees the culprit, the guy who's running around with the axe. And he sees her and ah, starts running towards her with the axe, you know, wielded. And she just basically, again, this is just divine. There's no other explanation for this. She just looks at him and she just said, give me the axe right now. <laughs> and he stops in his tracks, looks at her, looks at the axe, hands it to her. Like in that moment, there, there is really no other explanation for how, <laughs> for how this could happen. She just, you know, but she was willing. She was willing to walk in there and that's all she needed to do. God did the rest, totally diffused the situation. The man gives her the ax and is quiet. She somehow, again, in the spirit, she has the presence of mind to ask them all to gather together, form in line, somebody be a spokesperson, tell me what's going on, what started this whole situation, finds out that they're just, the natives are restless. They're just uh, frustrated. They're not getting any food. They're just really um, in dire straits in there. And so she arranges with the prison governor to start like a work program for these guys so that they can make things and do things to earn money and get food so they can even, you know, begin to earn some self-respect back even in the prison. We're going to we're going to stop with that part. We're going to leave you with a cliffhanger and we're going to do a part two on Gladys Elward. And we want you to listen to part two. And again, these are women you should know. We're going to one of these times talk about Corey Tinboom. Mm. We're going to talk about Jenny Mitchell. Mm. Some of the names that we talk about will be familiar and you'll be like, yes, I remember that. And some you'll be, 
I didn't know about her. <laughs> uh, some of the people we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about on one of our shows, Madame Guillaume. And Jasmine oh, yeah. and I have total <laughs> differences on how we think of Madame Guillaume. But that's why it's going to be so good. So we want you to join us for part two of Gladys Elward. Mm-hmm. And stay tuned. If you have any suggestions of women that you want us or you think that we should know about, mm. we'd like you, if you could, email Living Grace. We would love to know who those women are and give us your suggestions of who you think we should talk about. Mm -hmm. So next time when you hear us again, we're going to be talking Gladys Elward part two because there is much, much more (laughs) to her story. And some of my favorite stories are going to come in this next episode. I can't wait. (laughs) So just for the record... Much of our information comes from the book, The Little Woman by Gladys Elward. That's actually a autobiography. Mm-hmm. Then there's The Small Woman by Alan Burgess. And then there's A London Sparrow by mm-hmm. Phyllis Thompson. And this is just three of the books yeah. uh, that I know of. Yeah, those uh, are the but, best ones. I but I said, um, <laughs> even as Jasmine said, there are actually, you can hear her sometimes if you Google it mm-hmm. yeah. online. Yeah, yeah, old messages. From, old messages. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Yes. I, you know, I met this woman who's a clinical psychologist, and she told me, that Gladys Elward, she actually went and heard her and had a conversation with her. Ooh. Just amazing so story. Cool. Okay, signing it. off, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram and Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you again for listening to Women You Should Know with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.